Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. And now your host, A.L. Levy. One of the things that I love the most about what I do now is that we have a measurable impact on people's lives. It, this is the kind of thing that when I was a lot younger, I didn't understand how awesome it would feel to help people like that. Um... And to be honest, I didn't really think I had that in me until very recently. But that's actually one of my favorite things about what we do at URM. Uh, I love seeing measurable, tangible results that we help people attain in their lives. Um, it's a feeling that no amount of money can buy. And it makes everything worth it. Anyhow, this episode is about three of our admins in our group, in our private Facebook group, who have gone on to get really, really killer internships uh, through the stuff that they've learned since they were, you know, a part of our community. Also with a little, a little push and nudge from some of us with the networking. Um, but the point, point is that these guys are making it happen And I think that for all of you who may feel like you're not sure how to take the next step or you're not sure if you can sacrifice what you need to sacrifice in order to make it happen, well, maybe this is the episode for you. And of course, if you want to talk to these guys about what they did and, you know, get some one-on-one -on -one time with them, just hit them up in the group. They'll be happy to tell you everything they did. And hey, if you are beyond seeking internship, meaning you're one of our pro listeners who have interns, maybe this is an episode for you to make your intern prospects listen to. I mean, because we get down to how to eat for cheap, for instance. You know, a lot of people who complain about internships complain that they don't know how they're going to eat affordably or how are they going to make how are they going to make ends meet while they're working for free for somebody but we cover all that we cover relocation we cover all the things that an intern really has to you know really has to conquer in order to make that uh that gig work so enjoy all right welcome to the unstoppable recording machine podcast i am al levy And this is going to be a cool episode because I'm talking to three of the admins from the Private Producers Club. The Private Producers Club is our exclusive group that comes with a subscription to Nail the Mix or URM Enhanced. It's a place where our community gets to talk to each other and talk shop and be friends uh, troll-free online. And I consider it the best community in audio, mainly because of the troll-free environment. That's really, really tough to find. But what's cool also about our community is that lots of our podcast guests and Nail the Mix uh, guest mixers are in the community as well. So you have a bunch of people who are learning along with a bunch of people who are already pretty accomplished just hanging out. And uh, we take the no troll thing pretty damn seriously. Uh, in my opinion, that shit is poison. Uh, YouTube comments and just 
destructive environments online really, really bug me. And I think that they're everything that's wrong with the internet. So we try to, uh, not allow that in our little world. We consider it an oasis online. So anyways, these admins or group moderators that I'm bringing on have been with us for well over a year now. And in that time, they have all gotten themselves sick internships with uh, really, really awesome producers. Um, and I figured that this would be a cool episode for you guys who are trying to work your way up in this industry to to hear about what they did and what uh, what it takes and what kind of challenges they're going through and how they've had to up their game. Uh, so we'll introduce uh, John Maciel. Hello. How's it going? Miami Dolphin. Hello. Hey, what's up, everyone? And uh, that's his real name. I've seen his driver's license. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Tyler Rodriguez. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Hey. So, uh, hey, y'all. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to say congrats on uh, another year, another successful year with URM. Uh, I know me oh, and thank you. the other guys here are like really happy for you guys and just glad Woo! to be a part of it. Well, thank you very much. It's crazy, right? Um, started the podcast... Well, we were started recording in November of 2014, but we launched it in March of 2015 and started Nail the Mix in November 2015. So it's exactly two years since Nail the Mix, which is crazy. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. By. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being a part of it and helping make the community awesome. You guys make it easy for us. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's uh, we. It's at a point where we can't do it without help anymore. It's just, it was one thing when it was like 100 or 200 or even 500 people in there, but we've got almost 4,000 people in that group. So um, we need the help and uh, not just need the help, but we need the right people in there who are willing to help other people and be cool and make it the exact kind of environment that I was talking about earlier. So thanks to you guys. And uh, so... Anyone wondering, John here uh, is working for Bo Burchell. Uh, Bo Burchell is the guitar player from Seosin and a badass producer mixer who was actually on Nail the Mix doing a Seosin track back in May of 2017. Tyler Rodriguez just got an internship with Sam Pura, the uh, legendary pop punk producer who's best friends with everyone. <laughs> and uh, Miami Dolphin is working with the Honorable Kyle Black, who also has been on Nail the Mix. He did State Champs in uh, October of 2016, and he's also a staggeringly immense talent as a producer and mixer. So congrats to the three of you guys for landing those gigs. Woo! Shit. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> Holy so, shit. Thank you. So let's... Uh, Let's start with the most obvious thing. I know that online, a very popular thing to discuss are the DAW wars, and <laughs> oh, people get really, really butthurt <laughs> about it. Yeah, people get, uh, and this is important. Uh, I just want everyone listening to know, I don't care what DAW you're using. Um, it doesn't and, matter. You know, they're, they're all good. However, if you want to get picked up by somebody else as, a, as an intern, 
you most likely need to know your pro tools. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I, can I you, chime in on this for a second? You're correct. Um, yeah. Chime. Okay. In. So yeah, I, we see this discussion all the time online and like, I'm not going to lie. I like to poke fun at Reaper users just cause like Reaper's an awesome DAW. Like I think it's fantastic for anyone getting into the field and you know, they don't have much money, but if you're trying to intern for somebody and they use, I've seen this before online, if they use Pro Tools and you're like, how do I get them to see the benefits of Cubase? It's like, dude, do you learn how to use Pro Tools when a situation comes up, show them the benefit of Cubase, but don't like, you know, Pro Tools is predominantly used in the industry, so it makes sense for everyone to at least understand how it works and be able to record a session. And then if you use Reaper, Cubase, Logic, whatever it is, use it at home. But it's just, you know, whatever DAW is being used, learn how to use it so that you can, you know, land these gigs when they come up. And I suggest that everyone who's serious about this, even if you love your Cubase or whatever, just learn Pro Tools. Um, it is going to come up. Unless if you just, just decide that you never want to work under anybody, you never want to go to another studio to possibly track drums. Like you're just going to do everything on your own shit the entire time, then fine. But if you plan on leaving your house and using <laughs> another studio, you got you got to learn it. And uh, Miami, am I right that you wish that you had listened to me earlier about that? Weren't you a Reaper user? Oh, Miami, tell them your story. I, <laughs> oh man, oh man. Um, yeah, I I almost didn't even have a shot at this uh, at this internship because I didn't know Pro Tools. Let me let me start by saying, first, it's not that you shouldn't know other DAWs because I feel like you should know a little bit about all the popular DAWs that are out there. You should at least be able to you know open up a session, be able to record, you know, know a few shortcuts to get your way around. But at the end of the day, you need to be immensely like. I, I don't even know the proper way to say it, but proficient. You really, yeah. You you need to be proficient in Pro Tools, like without a doubt. And I like to think of it this way: you need to be like a jack of all trades and a master of one. And the one being Pro Tools, you need to know it inside and out. Because I was uh, I was a Reaper user, uh, a strong defender. You know, I was part of the Reaper cult. You know, uh, <laughs> anybody ever said right. anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know. I was making my own skins, <laughs> writing my own scripts. I was doing I was doing everything, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because uh, by being a Reaper user, no matter how much I learned in that DAW, if I wanted to intern for somebody that was in the field that I was going in and he didn't use it, I wasted my time. I, I spent all that time for nothing. And, you know, and, uh, I want to put it out there like Miami literally learned like the basics of Pro Tools like in two or three days, just enough to get him into the position he's in. Like, I I don't know a lot of guys who would do that. He didn't sleep for like two or three days. It was really cool to see that happen so fast. Yeah, that was rad. Well, if you didn't do it, you wouldn't have the gig. Yep. There's an, And uh, I know I was talking to Kyle about it and he was like, I'm going to give this kid two weeks to, he, he was like, I'm only going to extend this to him because it's coming through you, but I'm giving this kid two weeks to know what he's doing in Pro Tools, and if not, moving on. Um, so that was what, five months ago? Four months? Yeah, yeah about five, five, <laughs> five six months, months ago, I'd say. So it uh, sounds like you learned it. But it, I remember that, we didn't hear from you online for those two weeks. <laughs> oh, he disappeared off the face of the earth. 
Yeah. Tell us about how you went about learning it so fast. What did you do? Really, there were a few courses. Um, You have to get AL's course that comes with the bonus information for editing. He's talking um, about the boot that's, camp. That's number, yeah, of course. Okay, that's, that's, that's the like Creative Live Monuments boot camp that I did. Dude, that's a must own for anyone who wants to do this. Yeah, that literally was like, that That was a lot of the, the editing part, but what I would do was I would look up shortcuts and, you know, like get my hotkeys down, and in the morning, I would open up a session, and I would only work by using those hotkeys. So, like, I wouldn't do anything manually. I would do that every single morning for, like, about an hour. And then I would let the day go on, do other stuff, and I would go back, and I would do it again. You know, repetition is key. There was a, a podcast with Joel a long time ago kind of talking about this, like, talking about speeding up your workflow. And he had mentioned that you need to constantly be doing the same thing over and over so it's drilled in your brain and you never forget it and I took it to heart now that's not to say that I became a master of Pro Tools in two weeks but I did I did get a pretty basic understanding I mean I could record a session uh, I could mix somebody in Pro Tools in two weeks you know like I, I was able to edit in Pro Tools I knew Beat Detective Elastic Audio like I knew how to use all of those things in a two week period and I didn't sleep I slept maybe like four hours a night um, it was it was pretty crazy and intense but uh, at the end of the day you know that's what had to be done to get to where I'm at yeah. now congrats dude good job well, another thing that I want to mention is that this didn't exist when you were learning it, but uh, we just put out um, a introduction to Pro Tools Fast Track with John Douglas. It's available through URM Enhanced. If you're a Nail the Mix subscriber, go to nailthemix.com slash upgrade, or if you're not, go to urm.academy slash enhanced. And uh, this uh, Fast Track is about six hours of the most intense and dense Pro oh, Tools instruction it's you will exactly find exactly what everybody anywhere. needs. Yeah, exactly like what everyone, yeah, for real. Yeah, no, for sure. Everyone needs to like, even if you don't use Pro Tools, definitely need to watch it because the stuff that John gives us in there, like I'm watching it and I'm just like, damn, like a lot of it's cool because Bo does some of it and a, lot, a little few other things. I'm like, dude, I never even knew that existed in Pro Tools and I've been using it for like 10 years and it's just rad. Yeah, it's great. And it, it it's basically, if you study that and learn, like actually do a good job learning that stuff, you will be, you will be good enough to get gigs. Oh yeah. If you actually do, do the work and it comes with practice there's, tracks and everything. Yeah. There's a little bit more to that as well. It's not just knowing how to use Pro Tools. It's being proficient and fast in Pro Tools. That's really what it comes down to. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people know how to use Pro Tools, like they've been using it for a long time, but can you edit at the speed of what the person you're interning for can? Because oh, if God. not, <laughs> like you're going to have, yeah, you know, like, can you do it in, does it take you twice as long? Does it take you three times as long? Like how long does it take you, you know, and you have, yeah, you know, like, especially when you're watching these pros, trust me, like you've mm -hmm. never seen anything like it like the way that they move is insane it's like a second nature to them yeah it's like they were born with it like it's crazy like, it's like except they weren't born with it they yeah. definitely were not born with it they also at one point in time did not know what the fuck they were doing inside <laughs> of their daw and they mastered it 
Yeah, no, it's an art form to watch like a master work because yeah, like you have to put in the time and the effort to get there. Mm -hmm. And then it makes like me watching Bo, when I watch Bo work, I'm just like, shit, damn it. Like I have so much fucking work to do. But then it like, I feel so great when like the following week I can like do something twice as fast as I did the week before. And it makes me feel that much like, I I don't know how to explain it. It's like a natural high when you get that good at a doll and you're so proficient. And like, it's not just being fast too. Like it's also making sure you're like, your ear is like focused focused in on whatever your task you're doing and executing with like the highest of excellence. So speaking of Bo, how did you come across that gig and what kinds of things did you have to, uh, I guess, pick up in order to maintain the gig? Cause that's also been what five or six months now. So, uh, well, you didn't, you didn't get, you didn't get canned immediately, which um, is great. It's been like, I think I'm going on, I you know I've been in LA for three months now, so it's been like a three month gig, but I started talking to him like a couple of months prior. Um, I, oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the way I got in connection with Bo is, as you guys know, uh, he did the nail the mix and I'm a huge like Seosin fanboy. So I was really stoked to like see him do a nail the mix and kind of see, okay, cool. I'm going to see him mix with Anthony green. This is going to be awesome. So we had a URM meetup, which by the way, if you guys are in like any local chapter that there's a URM like meetup group, go to it. Like I cannot emphasize enough, like how great it is that you can meet other people from the community. And then like, if the guys are in town, like AL, Joey and Joel, it's even like, even more people show up obviously. And it's even like greater. Cause you can like network with people. And if you're like shy talking, like everyone's shy almost. So you can just talk up, walk up to someone just be like, dude, what do you do? Like, let's talk about last month's yeah, mix. It's a group of, it's a group of people where everybody has social anxiety. So the social anxiety should cancel itself out. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's rad. So it, it tends to. Yeah. So after that, like I got to meet Bo and the funny thing is I have like an original EP from the first sales in uh, EP that I've had since high school. So this thing's like 16 years old or something. And I've never been able to get Bo's signature. So I took it with me at that URM meetup and to, and I wasn't sure about it, but to this day, I'm glad I did it because it helped with how I got uh, into the conversation with him. So he put it out there that he was looking for an intern. And I honestly was not going to hit him up because of, I, I didn't think I was ready for that. I was going through a lot of stuff in my own personal life, but Miami is one of those guys that everybody needs in their corner because he'll like push you to do oh, stuff man. you don't want to do. Like I cannot. Miami is one of those guys that like I'm glad I met him through URM because I like having a friend like him in my corner really helps like keep me in check sometimes. And Miami was just like, look, dude, I've talked to Bo. Um, when are you ever going to have another opportunity to work with someone you idolize? And it's doing this and is great. And I didn't have an answer, so I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna hit up." <laughs> like, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say no Just to that? Do it. So, yeah, exactly. So, when I messaged Bo, it was like really easy to point, like, like tell him who I was because I was like, "Hey, I'm that guy who asked you to sign the EP at the URM meetup." So right there, he already knew who I was. I was the only guy that did that. And then we started talking, and he uh, told me uh, he basically wanted to clone himself. He like he really needed to have someone who worked exactly how he worked. Luckily, through the nail the mix, like his workflow looked really similar to like kind of how I like to work. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. So from that point, it was just like just talking because I was still living like an hour and a half away. But after that initial conversation, I went to work the following day. I was like, hey, I'm moving to LA. And I put in for a transfer. 
put my apartment, uh, got out of the lease, started selling all my stuff. And because in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go full force. I'm not going to let anything I heard stop you d- me. I heard you dumped a girl too. No. Okay. So oh. I'll put it, I, I'll, I'll put this out there so people oh, know. Oh God. I'll put it, th- I'll put, it was not dumped. Sauce. It was me and my, uh, me, I was engaged at the beginning of the year. And what happened was we were supposed to move to Texas and pursue audio. And it was, the relationship wasn't working. So it ended and there's no hard feelings, like still tons of love and respect for one another. Um, so at that point I like, I hope this you helps someone out there. <laughs> I replaced her with Bo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the best, the best <laughs> way possible, <laughs> but no. So I uh, like a lot of people who has nicer hair <laughs> and, and Bo has this, this awesome dog too. And a, and a heated toilet. <laughs> oh dude, the bidet. But day for days. Yeah. Um, oh, now I'm like, okay. Yeah. So like I knew at that moment when it ended, like, okay, I can either make 2017 stay the worst year of my life and wallow in like my depression and shit, or I could fucking like make it the best year of my fucking life. And I've honestly have made it the best year of my fucking life to this moment. And I have no regrets. Yeah. It's hard. A lot of struggle, a lot of like uncomfortable like parts, but I'm so fucking stoked that like everything's happened to where it's happened. Cause now I'm entering for Bo learning so much from the guy. And it, it's all because of basically like what happened at the beginning of the year, me moving to Rancho Cucamonga and then me just taking a leap of faith and moving to LA and just, you know, talking with Bo. And one key thing I want to like point out there for people, if they're looking to intern from these type of people, be cool. Like, I know it's like one thing to say it, but you just you don't overbear them. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen on their time because they're doing this for a living and they're in, they're going to essentially bring you into their world and their world has like, imagine like a fast track to life because that's exactly what they're put, allowing you to witness is how, how to get the job done and how to set your bar. And you've just got to like be cool about it. Let, let them be like, just just be cool. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's like when I was listening to Nick's podcast, like Nick without saying it was just Nick, like Nick Bellotta. Yeah. Like that podcast, everyone yeah. needs to listen to it because he, like everything he said in that podcast, I was like, shit, I was doing that. All right, cool. That's now it makes sense why I'm still in this position. And you just got to be cool, but also like determined and willing to put in those hours. Cause there was plenty of like there's still nights where if I need to be up until four in the morning doing edits for Bo, I'm going to be up until four in the morning. And I still have a full-time job, by the way. So it's just a matter of fucking not being afraid to grind. And uh, what skills did you have to pick up in order to be able to keep this? Uh, honestly, editing is the biggest thing that I've like had to pick up. Um, Bo, Bo moves quick. And the first session that I helped him on was uh, this band named Era. They're on Sumerian. And it was really crazy that like the first project I'm, help, I'm helping him on is actually a signed band. And he's entrusting me to like get these edits done and get them done on, on time. So the project, you know, keeps moving forward. And I really learned a lot about my workflow and I had to speed it up because he's sending me songs. It's very like, it's a Sumerian band. So it's like all metal riffs really quick and sharp. So I had to like just figure out, you know, what quick keys do I need to learn? Uh, what are editing hacks that I'm not utilizing? And I went from like being able to edit a song in like four hours to like two hours and like just seeing what I'm doing wrong and seeing what, 
moves I'm doing consistently and like, how can I take the workout? That's why John Douglas is a fast track is so awesome. He's like condensed a lot of moves so that it's like, instead of taking a minute, now you're only taking like 20 seconds. And that adds up. It does. It really, really does. Cause I mean, you get tired. So it's like, I need to learn how to edit this in two hours, like the right way so that I can, you know, apply that two hours to the other two hours I would have done to another song so that when he, cause like the way it was working is Bo would send me a track. I would edit and send it to him in the morning and he would review it. And if they were still working on it, like he would like, Hey man, this wasn't right. Can you send it back? Cool. And like, you know, I can knock out two songs in one night as opposed to like one previously. So stuff like that. That makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and just for anyone curious, the podcast who was referring to is one with a dude named Nick Pilata who, um, went from being an intern with Andrew Wade to being his engineer. And then we hired him. So, to help with all the technical stuff on Nail the Mix. He travels all over the world with us, and um, we we trust him, and he even films fast tracks for us. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that what you were saying about being cool is very true, because Nick didn't know anything about video when we hired him. Uh, we knew his personality, though, and we took a leap of faith that if we hired him, he would learn it all, yeah. and he did. It paid off, but... We, but again, so we did that based on personality, not based on skills. Um, so if your personality is right, people will give you a chance, even if your skills aren't 100% there, as long as they know that you're willing to develop the skills. Um, and then Tyler, mm-hmm. so you work with Sam. Tell us about that. How did you land that? Because from what I understand, you didn't even have... <laughs> like your own rig for a little while. No, like I've actually, your whole situation yeah. fell apart. Yeah. Well, what happened was, was for me is that the place where I've been recording and mixing at was at a friend's uh, house and then he moved up to Seattle. So I've been without a rig and setup for a few months. But um, during that time, though, what's been cool is Sam is actually a, um, if anyone is from the Bay Area, Sam has been a person that everyone pretty much knows either from he's produced maybe one of your local bands to you're a fan of the band he was in back around like 2007, eight or nine. And so I'm a fan of his in general. And over social media for the last year, I would just, you know, comment or just, you know, ask him questions over Twitter about audio stuff, just general stuff like that. And we would uh, pick up small conversations. And eventually, just over the course of weeks, uh, he just sent out an invite to me just saying, hey, man, like we should hang out in real life. Um, You know, come by Panda whenever you feel like it. Just let me know. We'll hang out. And so uh, what ended up happening was around September, right after, you know, I had no setup or anything and I had been touching audio for a while, I went up to Panda and, um, you know, my relationship with him is a little bit different than John in Miami's. Um, Sam could pretty much do run everything there by himself and he edits everything himself right there on the spot and tracking or whatnot. But what he did was he opened the door for me to kind of like pick his brain and kind of learn uh, his methods. But then he also started teaching me the flow of his studio and how it all operates and how he does everything when he's recording bands there. And eventually he allowed me to start just helping out with either whether it was him setting up for the band the next day or he was going to track something for the band or track him doing something for the band or when there was an artist in there helping facilitate getting it all set up. And so it just kind of was this slow progression of just kind of slowly becoming, you know, as he calls it, best friends with him. 
and uh, just learning how he operates and slowly just helping out more and more and more there. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's only been about a month that I've been going back and forth up there, but um, it's been great so far. So one of the big things that I'm hearing from the three of you, and I know that we kind of touched on this earlier, but you guys are going into these situations trying to adapt to whatever you're given rather than mm-hmm. trying to adapt the situation. Oh, most to definitely. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't work in my situation. <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't work in almost any situation. Yeah. For me, I just went in as like a sponge, just like, I don't, I know what I know from what I've done in the past a little bit, but I'm fully ready to absorb Whatever he says is the way he does it. That is the way to do it. And that's it. And I'm ready to go. That's it. Yeah, no, exactly. Like if they're, if like you're trying to enter for a guy and he's successful and he's like producing label projects, like, um, dude, do it his way. He's successful. Why would you like, you wouldn't be in your position if you weren't like as successful. So just like be cool, do the work and shut up. It's yeah. Oh, it blows my mind. Everything from like, this is how we take out the trash to, Hey, this is how we tie. (laughs) This is how we do all the cables. This is how we wrap them. This is how we organize them. This is where in each room they go. It's like, okay, got it. Perfect. I know exactly what you need. And that's the way it is. That's it. Speaking of taking out the trash and stuff like that. I know that there's like talk online and about how like an intern's job is just cleaning toilets and all that. But I don't, I think that that's kind of mischaracterized. I think what it is is more that part of the intern's job is keeping the place presentable and Mm -hmm. just like, it's not like the the guy who owns the place isn't going to also help keep the place presentable, but it's like, you know, if you're part of the team, it's respect. Um, yeah, yeah, respect exactly. for the studios, respect for the places, respect for the equipment, it's respect yeah, for the dude. process. Like if you that. try to be an apprentice at a tattoo shop, like you're gonna freaking sweep and mop floors and like clean up. It's just like you gotta pay your dues and be respectful. And it's like it becomes the studio becomes a second home. You spend so much time there. It also needs to be presentable to people who come in too, and you just have to help maintain that. It's not just for a hit for someone's ego. It's also, hey, people come in here. This place needs to be a place that people could come in and I'm proud of it and it's clean and yeah. ready to go. Yeah. And the, the whole respect thing is huge. Um, because I can tell you as someone who has hired people, if I don't feel like they respect me or my shit or the opportunity or the, the space, I don't want to be near them. Cause mm-hmm. I think that anybody who does this for a living or is close to doing it for a living, I'm not going to say they're lucky because I don't believe in luck mm-hmm. outside of the lottery. Yeah. But uh, they're extremely fortunate and they're getting to do something that thousands of other people would sell off their parents for, you know, yeah. into <laughs> slave, slavery yeah. or something. Yeah. It's not the, even like into something. Into the black market sex trade. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like for me, it's something I would have not had even expected three months ago. It wasn't even something I was directly aiming for. It was just one of those things that kind of slowly happened over time and just taking it in one step, one step at Dude, a time. Dude, I'm so happy for you. Like, I, like, <laughs> I was the last one. I was the last yeah, one to try he, to get, he, like, to help out yeah. anywhere. <laughs> he came out to LA and me and Miami hung out with him. And like, I don't know if like, maybe, cause like it was seriously like a week or two later, he's like, hey guys, I'm hanging out with Sam. And we're just like, hell yeah. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, that's the kind of, like you want, I want to be equally as excited for everyone in URM for their achievements as like my own, you know? So for him to be in that position, I'm like so happy for him. Yeah, it was, it was. That makes me think of uh, that cliche that I always bring up, but it's true that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So 
you know, if uh, you have big dreams and uh, want a life that's not not what you currently have, you want something better than what you currently have, uh, a big part of that is to be friends with people who are more in line with what you want because it'll rub off on you. Oh, yeah. Like you have, you have, totally. you also say like, you like being like the dumbest person in the room, but not necessarily like the dumbest, yeah. but you want to be around people smarter than you. Like, yep. I feel the same exact way. Like if, if I start hanging out with someone, I realize like I've kind of like hit a plateau of where, what our relationship is. I know at that time, like we're still like, we can still be friends, but I need something uh, more because I'm ready to grow more as a person. So, you know, both of those are very key in like success in life, I think. I think I feel like Miami was about to say something. Uh, I was, but I forgot. You know, <laughs> dude, dude, Miami. I get, was just listening at that. This point. is like the quietest I've ever like heard Miami. I know. Yeah, I know. He usually likes the floor. He's, and I oh, tried you know, giving I'm it letting, to him. He's masterminding. I'm letting John get his shine right now. I got some stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead, Miami. It's all you know. Take it. There's a couple things I do want to talk about. Actually, let's do um, it. Biggest thing I want to talk about and. A lot of people ask this question. They say, well, do you really want to intern at a studio? Or do you think that you'd be better off, you know, working and building your own studio and going that route? Like a lot of people will ask me that question. And the way that I kind of look at it is this, you know, would you rather ride bitch in a Lamborghini <laughs> <laughs> or be the proud, proud owner of a Toyota Corolla. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is the Miami we've been missing. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, no. That's really how I like to look at it. I mean, and obviously I'm equating that Lamborghini to working out of a high-grade studio where you're not driving. You know? You're there. You're in the passenger seat. When you're, when you're driving by, people are looking at you. They think you're fresh. But then... <laughs> You could be, you know, not have your car completely paid off and have a Toyota Corolla that's more your own studio. It's modest. It gets the job done. But at the end of the day, what are you striving for? And I'm one of those people that would rather ride bitch in a Lamborghini. That's just how I am. <laughs> well, and also, once, if you're riding bitch in a Lamborghini, you're in that environment, so you mm -hmm. understand what it takes to to play at that level. And if you're in the Toyota Corolla... um that's fine. You will get from point A to point B safely, and that's fine. But you don't, you're not going to experience the, you're not going to take in the information you need um, if you want to up your game. So, and there are a few outliers out mm -hmm. there. There's definitely some guys who never interned anywhere and developed huge careers. And then there's some guys who are totally cool with, uh, working at a local or regional level, and that's totally fine too. Mm -hmm. I mean, to each their own. But if you want to if you want to go big, you need to put yourself around people who are already doing it. And I don't see it as an either or. I don't see it as would you rather do this or do that. I see it as the universe is going to grant you opportunities mm -hmm. and you need to be smart enough and aware enough to pounce on these opportunities when they're in front of you. And these opportunities are not going to necessarily be exactly what you had envisioned. Um, for instance, you know, the opportunity for me to start an online audio school with Joey Sturgis is not what I had envisioned happening Um years before that. It's not how I saw the future turning out, but it was an opportunity that I saw and I pounced on it. And lo and behold, it's been fantastic. But 
but you need to be able to to discern what's a great opportunity that will get you further. So for instance, say you want to eventually have your own studio and be the boss of that. Well, maybe interning and engineering under somebody for a few years, riding bitch in that Lamborghini could give you all the knowledge, connections, and, uh, and understanding of what it'll take to do your own thing. But at a high level. Oh, fuck yeah. Where you may not have had that info otherwise. Totally. Yeah. And uh, to touch on what he was saying a little bit more, because um, everybody is going to have a different walk of life here. Like myself, Tyler, John, we're three very different people and things that happened for us happened in very different ways. Um, when I decided that I was going to really, you know, focus on audio and that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And a lot of that's thanks to Nail the Mix. Actually, it's thanks to Nail the Mix. I'll just say that. Awesome. Yeah. I decided to, you know, move my family from Connecticut all the way to California. Um, I saved up probably about 10 grand. I was working crazy, um, doing tons of like bands recording, you know, getting, doing anything to save up money. And, uh, I moved out here. And when I moved out here, I ended up, you know, getting robbed because I had rented out a place from somebody that was evicted from where it was. Now that took a big chunk of cash that I had, but I still, you know, ha had some stuff, but it was really hard to set myself up the way that I wanted to. So, was you know, it, did I you lose like over three grand in that? Yeah, yeah, it was it was three a little over three thousand dollars. And the funny thing is, you can never be too careful with anything in life. So in in this situation, I had recorded my whole conversation that I had with this person. This person's like wanted, you know, like as a they have a warrant out for their arrest, like the the whole nine. It's crazy because I recorded the whole thing. Um, you know, I have conversations, like document everything, whether it's this, whether you're with a band and you guys have conversations, always have contracts, everything you do, always cover your ass. And, you know, I'm in the middle of getting a restitution from the court from that still. That was over a year ago. And it's it's just, it's crazy what I had to go through. But I moved all the way out here and, you know, I was a little, I laid a little low from Nail the Mix for a while because honestly, I was just trying to get my life back together. And then uh, I ended up becoming an admin and it was, it was crazy. It, like I, I had picked back up a little bit more into it because I was pretty down, but then I started feeling better about myself and getting back into audio. And then when I joined on the team, like everything really started changing for me and, uh, I was getting more job offers. I got actually for, for what I do for a living now is I work in commercial licensing. Um, so I'm doing audio regardless, but I do basically, you could kind of say that I make songs for television. I guess that, that would be the easiest way to, to put it. But all of that led up to the point that I am now. And really what really got me cemented in this spot was Al going out on the line for me when he had talked to Kyle for me to make this happen for me. And it was just, you know, I could never repay him for what he did because Kyle was You're basically- You're repaying me by now fucking it up and <laughs> embarrassing me, <laughs> yeah. basically. I mean, I mean, because Kyle 
is basically directly in my realm and the genre that I work in. Like, I could not have found a better Such person a on the match. planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, if you guys don't really know me that well, but that is my field. That is my jam. Kyle is basically the person that holds together the pop punk is not dead playlist. When you search that on Spotify, <laughs> most of the mixes are by him. So it's like... It's just like a crazy fit, and um, but that's that's my story. So it's like I came all the way from Connecticut, moved here, and you know brought my family with me and put it all out on the line to enhance my career. John moved from another part of California, and you know he his part of his family was was separated, and he still fought through that to get to where he is, and that's a totally different situation. And then you have Tyler, who's just a cool dude <laughs> and kind of just put himself in the place to walk through the door. That happens for some people. Some people, it will work for like that, but like you want to be a Tyler. You want to be a Tyler, but but most likely you're going to be a John or a Miami. Yeah. Let's just keep it real. Well, I mean, but either way, the point is that whether or not you, I mean, let's just say that Tyler didn't have his life fall apart mm -hmm. or something like that or get robbed. But still, what what matters is if you walk through that door and make a good impression, all the other shit doesn't matter. And, yeah. um, and it might be insensitive to say that, but... Like, you know, the universe doesn't give a fuck that you got robbed. Like, it just doesn't yeah, care. They don't, give yeah. they don't care. Nobody, I mean, nobody cares. Your friends care. Well, yeah. your friends should care and your family should care and, like, you know, people should care. But <laughs> at the end of the day, business doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. And all that matters is do you have the right attitude, the right skills, and um, are you willing to do what it takes? Mm -hmm. And so, to experience that kind of hardship and still be like, fuck it, I'm doing this, is that's actually part of the reason why I felt comfortable contacting Kyle and telling him was because most people would have moved to L.A., gotten robbed, and then moved right back yep. and been like, fuck it, L.A.'s too hard, or, um, you know, the, uh, I'm cursed, like— the, it's a curse. <laughs> it's not gonna. It's not gonna happen for me. It's a sign. But uh, you know, obviously, you know, you were depressed for a little bit, and that's understandable. But you got your shit back together, and I figured that if you're able to do that, because most people are not, that you probably wouldn't uh, make me look like an idiot for recommending <laughs> you. Because um, I'm. I don't. I'm not very. Uh, I don't just recommend people. No. Um, <laughs> No, not at all. Yeah. Like, well, that's one I've, thing I've I love done, about you, I've done that like, before. You, you're a straight shooter, and it's like, I I personally appreciate that. Like, being a URM admin, like, I, all of us have gone on, like, the AL's straight blunt talk, but yeah. it's always for the better, and I actually think, like, in life, it's made me a better person, because I don't, like, I don't bitch out when someone, like, has an issue. Now I'm just like, okay, cool. I just won't fuck that up again. Like, now I'm more competent in that area. Sick. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. Yeah. It's very well, I mean, I'm not... It, not you're not to mean, mean though. Mean you're not mean. Anything. <laughs> I don't want to. You're just yeah, official. Yeah. Some, yeah. 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 Some people are mean. I try to not be mean. I just try to be like. You're helpful. It's not. It's more just like this is the, the problem. 
I don't want this problem to continue. Yep. This is why this is why I don't want it to continue. This is the solution I propose. Or if I don't have a solution, I'll be like, I don't. You know, you guys need to figure it out, but this can't continue. That's what makes but, it so good because we don't have to try to like read into what you say. It's not like gray; it's black and white. We can easily tell, like, okay, this is what we need to fix. Okay, got it done. We'll move on. Like it's and like you said, we don't take it personal. And that's how I am at work. I work a, a day job at retail, and it's the same way. I love when things are when managers or anyone else is like, oh, this is the issue, and this is it, and that's it. You're like, okay, cool, we'll fix it, and we're good, and we'll never make that mistake again. Well, I'm glad to hear that that works because sometimes uh, I hear from people who fucking hate that I'm that way. No, unless you're <laughs> but, like, uh, you well, have to like there's... personally attack someone for, yeah, like if I have to be, I have to be personally attacked in order to be like, oh man, like, I don't know. Otherwise I'm like, oh, okay. There was an issue. We'll fix it. All right, good. Yeah. We're good now. The thing that I, I look at it this way. If you're that sensitive to constructive criticism, then sometimes like this field, like this, this field is ruthless. This field like, will keep, fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 this field is ruthless. The way that AL talks to you is like, he's just telling you the truth and the truth hurts sometimes. Yeah. Like he tells you honestly how it's going to be. And if you think that what he's saying to you is harsh, <laughs> then wait till you actually get out there and like, see, it's, it's like yeah. your parents, like they're like, oh, you don't know what's going out in the real world. Like you're in a sheltered environment right here. And you're just like, ah, oh, they're horrible. <laughs> like they tell me this. Took away my eyes. Like, and then you get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And then you're out and you're like, holy <laughs> shit. Like rents do like, fuck. Taxes. Like, I like, yeah, you know, like big boy shit. But when he tells you something, he means it. It's like he's telling you the honest truth. He's not lying to you. Uh -oh. He would never lie to you. He's just telling you something to point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to take that and make yourself a better person for mm -hmm. it. Honestly. So, so let's talk about being thick skinned because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously everybody has their moments of weakness where shit gets to them. Mm -hmm. um, but you really do have to have a thick skin. And I definitely agree. And I've actually thought about that, too, where I've thought that, like, if someone can't handle me telling them that, like, they need to fix something or that something's not going to fly, then how the fuck are they going to survive in the real world when people will fucking can them yeah. and never call them back again? Or yeah. potentially, like, try to blacklist them. Like, how will they, uh, you know, like, if you get canned from a gig, uh, it's not just you got canned from a gig. It's also, what if you come up and someone asks that guy that canned you why they canned you? And, uh, you know, it can be all kinds of, uh, it can lead to all kinds of bad um, Repercussions. And it can... I, I guess it can, well, it depends on how you deal with it. But mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is there's a lot of things that can really fuck your day up if uh, you let it. And part of surviving in this game is not letting that get to you. So I'm wondering, do you guys think that you guys were always thick-skinned? No. Or is it something that you've developed? Yep, developed. Uh, yeah, for me, like... I was born with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good. Uh, I know for me, personally, like... Uh, the biggest thing that's helped me is being a URM admin because I've gotten to know like, you know, UAL and like your approach and the podcast and just knowing how to like, you have to grow that thick skin. And one thing with, uh, with Bo that I learned within the first couple of weeks is like, you have to not only be thick skin, but know like anything can fall apart at any moment. 
and not let that bother you. Like, you know, one band might say, oh yeah, we're going to record with you. And the label might have a different plan and you've got to like, not let that falling out disrupt the relationship or anything like the day goes on, business goes on. You just got to be able to like, not let it hit your ego or insecurities and just like be able to just keep moving forward. Cause if you let that t- give you one step back, then it's like, you know, now you've got to like build yourself up again. And there's no reason to do that. Just keep going forward and just, you know, be like the incredible Hulk. Just like, no, you can handle any shit that yeah. comes your way. I know. And there's something else I want to say to that too. I'll let you go in a second, Tyler, my bad. Um, the thing that I notice is people never seem to have thick skin with questions that they ask themselves. I, I feel like when most people say that or they're bothered by something, it's a question that they asked and they didn't like the answer. You know, like I feel like if you ask a question to something and you don't like the answer of it, you shouldn't, you know, take that personally. I notice a lot of people will say that they can't handle the way that other people talk to them or, or say things to them. And I'm like, hey, if you can't handle the answer, don't ask the question. That's honestly how yeah. I feel about it. I completely agree. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my mix, my mix. It's like, can you guys crit this for me? It's like, oh, it's lacking low end. Actually, I think the low end sounds fine. Well, shit. It's like, what did you ask me for? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that used to happen to me all the time. Um, and that's why I'm super selective about who I give advice to or whatever. But I remember back in the day, uh, like there's this one dude who would hit me up and be like, hey, I want to buy a new guitar rig. Okay, what's your budget? He'd be like, 1500 I'd be like, all right, what are you looking at? And we'd, he, I'd talk to him for like two or three hours and help him map out this perfect rig. And then uh, he'd get the exact opposite oh, of what I told him to get. Man. And this happened oh, two, or two or three times to oh, where I, I was just like, like this is dude, never happening again. Can we please... Please take a second to talk about option C, guy. <laughs> option C. <laughs> well, yeah, like the person, you know, like the person that's like, you're like, okay, I'm stuck between whether I want this API preamp or this Neve preamp. And the guy comes in like, well, have you heard of blank, blank, blank? <laughs> Dude, uh, it's like, you're not helpful. You're not answering the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very annoying. Um, and... I actually try to discourage that in the group a lot, but when someone's asking a question like A or B, try to give them the answer to A or B, not suggest something else they didn't hear of because it's kind of rude. And also it, it reminds me a lot of, um, we get, we get a lot of like designers or web designers hitting us up and being like, Hey, did you guys, uh, you know that you could do this and this on your back end or, and it's like, yeah, we're we're aware. Um, do you think we didn't think of that already? There's probably a reason for why we're not doing it. And uh, sometimes it doesn't bug me, but sometimes it's kind of rude. And it, it's assuming it that it's because it's assuming that the person who's asking the question didn't already think of that yeah. and decide it wasn't good for or them. Like, or like you know more than them. And it might be like an, a person who actually knows more than you. They just want an opinion on A or B, not option C, you know what I mean? Because option C is not right for them. That's why they're asking A or B. They're not asking, they're not saying A or B or a possible C. Yeah. If they, this is how it is. A lot of times it also goes with questions about like budgets or something. Someone will be like, oh, 
I'm looking for a preamp in the range of $500 to $700. It's like, oh, well, here's a link to this $2,000 preamp that I have. It's like, dude, it's like, obviously, that's not what I'm looking for because I just said how much money I can afford to dude, spend. You know what dude, I mean? Dude, Miami, just save I will, up. I will say, I will say, save I, have, up, dude. I have said that to people uh, only if, like, I know that I know that they don't know what they're looking for. Like if they're total noobs, for instance, and they're about to make a really stupid purchase, I will tell them to just save up because sometimes it's about saving the person from fucking themselves up. And I realized that uh, I just totally invalidated what I said before, but um, (laughs) I do have a little bit of expertise on this topic. And so if I know that someone who's a total noob is about to drop $200 on something that's going to break in three months where they could spend $400 on something that'll last 10 years. I'm going to tell them that, but it's not, totally. it's not based on some sort of uh, like ego based preference for like an Axe effects versus a Kemper or a PC versus a Mac or anything like that. So like, if I do that, there's a super specific reason. And it's usually that I don't want to see this kid who's in the group, who's paying me money. Um, you know, paying URM money to help us help them. I don't want to see them make a dumb decision. Yeah. yeah. And also what, what I'll add, another reason why I brought this up is sometimes, right. And I'm sure you guys have been in this situation too, when you're talking to, you know, who you're interning for, you're talking to the boss man and they're like, Oh, listen to these two mixes and tell me, which one do you think sounds better and why you think it sounds better? And has that happened to you guys yet? Uh, not that situation, but I've had like to listen to like other mixes. Not mixes, not but okay. Yeah, not mixes, but with tones. I usually will listen to what he's doing. He'll look at me like, do you hear it? And I'm like, yes or no. Oh man, those yeah. those yes or no moments are like so eye opening. Like yeah. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> oh they can't Jesus. be Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> or or sometimes they're so subtle, and I'm just like, am I that dumb that I can't hear it yet? <laughs> Yeah, well, your ear's not, yeah. like, developed yeah. like theirs, you know? That's, like, I don't discourage myself. I'm just like, no. oh, now I know what to listen for. Yeah. But it's yeah. important to be honest. If you can't oh, yeah. tell the difference, oh, yeah. that's, you know, part of, that's actually good information. I know that, like, when I would do that for an intern or something, and if they couldn't tell, that I want to know that. Because if they can't tell, most likely I'm keying in on something insignificant, and I need to focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's only going to shoot you in the foot later on, because like, let's say it's like an edit thing. And he's like, oh, you hear that? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you don't. And then when you turn in edits again and guess what? That one anomaly is there. And you're just like, now you look like a like an asshole. So, yeah, don't do it. But the reason I brought that up was to say, if someone's asking you, oh, what's the difference between or do you like A or do you like B? Like, You know, and they're going back and forth and playing it with different like mastering settings or mixing settings or whatever. Don't give an opinion on what you think should be changed to make A or B better or whatever. Just go with the flow. Listen to what they're saying. They're asking you because that's what it's come down to. And I know people that do things like that. They'll be like, well, actually, I think you should change this and this and that. No, 
No one wants to hear that. They ask you one thing and they want the answer to that's, that. That's, oh, one, that's, that's one lesson that, or one idea that I've heard a lot with different episodes. People talk about interning is trying to save like your opinion. Like, well, I think this could be like this. Like, just save it. Just save it. Because they probably yeah. do not want to hear it at that moment unless they specifically ask for it. And that is one thing I'm like, and whenever I'm there, I'm always like, hey, don't say something stupid because it's probably not warranted. <laughs> just don't even say it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, man, I don't talk most well, of the this time. Is all, <laughs> this is all really great info um, because basically what you guys are talking about is when you say just be cool, yep. like what does it actually mean? And these are the kinds of things it means. Like don't ask somebody for advice and then shit all over their advice. Yep. Like if you're in an internship position, you're around someone who by nature of your relationship, you can ask him for advice. Um, that's part of what you get as an intern is you, you're there to get knowledge. So if you ask the dude you're interning for, for advice on a rig or whatever, don't waste their time and then do the exact opposite. Or if you ask for an opinion, don't argue about their opinion. Or if they ask you for an opinion, be honest. If you don't like something, you do like something and say why, or if you can't hear the difference, just be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, These are all things that actually, when I think about it, have fucked up internships for people that I know. Yeah, It's just like, I'm like, right now I'm like, I'm just like, do people actually do that in internships? It's just weird. Cause like, to me, like the way we're talking right now, like that's how in my mind it's supposed to run. So to think that it, the opposite happens is kind of like mind blowing. I think part the of the opposite definitely talk, happens. Definitely. Yeah. I talked to AL a while ago and uh, I was like running through guitars and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I really don't know what to get between. I, I listed like a few and he's like, dude, just get a fender. He's like, it's gonna, it's gonna work for what you want to do in the next day. It's sitting up on the wall right now. I'm looking at it right now, but that's exactly what I bought. Uh, ended up grabbing a telly just because if he's saying it to me and I'm explaining to him what I'm trying to get out of it and that's what he suggests, then obviously the guy is going to know more about it than I am. You know what I mean? Like he knows more than I do. And if I'm asking him, then I obviously want his opinion on it and I'm going to I'm going to run with it. And that's just how I feel about it. Well, I hope that guitar has served you well. Oh, dude, I've used dude. I've made so much money off this guitar. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, um. Finn and I, Finn, our director of marketing, and I always joke about this, like, about why ask an expert for help if you're not going to listen to them? Yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's so annoying. It's so annoying, too, because yeah. it's not respecting the person's time. It really isn't. So, totally. At all. <laughs> all right. So one last thing that I want to bring up with you guys is uh, being in the room with the clients. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a big thing that can make someone lose or keep a gig. Um, what do you guys have any advice for people on? Can I tell a story? Be, yeah, please go All ahead. Right. So, and it's like it, I think this will help a lot of people out there. So, the first band uh, was Era, right? And Bo had me set up for a, a tracking weekend because he, you know, he has a family, so on the weekends he wants to be with the family. So I was like, cool. I had two weekends off in a row. So the first weekend I went to go like watch the process and see how everything's done. Second weekend, my time is like, okay, it's time for me to record. It went terrible. It was horrible. Um, dude, like uh, Jesse, the guitar player, like I can just tell like he wasn't comfortable with me and he didn't really know me. So Bo ended up finishing up that whole weekend session, but I still stayed in the room. And I remember him like ask, like he was like, hey, if you can't record me this weekend, then let's just like, like I'll go and practice and we'll come back. 
And he like looked at me, he's like, I just wanted it to be weird. I was like, no, dude, like, no, it's, it's your project. And like at that moment, like for a split second, I did take it, I did take it personally, but then I realized like, dude, this is not about me and my feelings and my ego. Like I wasn't the right guy at that moment. I didn't have enough, you know, uh, experience to be working at that level yet. So instead of taking it personally, I was like, you know what, it's his project. It's, it's going to be like a record that's out there for the masses. Like I'm just going to sit here and watch and observe even more and see what it is that Bo's doing that I didn't do and adapt that to like what I need to do to accomplish that. And honestly, like I built a great relationship with him before he left. Um, and it was really cool. Like I was at the point where we like, we could joke around. So instead of taking that moment and like letting it ruin an experience, I, you know, I was determined to make it turn into a great experience so that when he left, like, if he were to come back later and I was still with Bo, he would be comfortable with me in that situation to track him. So being in the room with the clients with Bo, I just, I'm always like, I just got to be quiet. Don't say anything. Uh, just follow Bo's lead. If Bo asks for an opinion or anything and always be helpful. Like if you see like, if they mention, oh, I'm kind of thirsty. You guys want a coffee? Hey, you want me to go get a coffee? Like jump on it and just be quiet, be cool and be proactive. Yeah. Like, yep. and just like, listen to like what their conversations and their jokes are and kind of know when it's okay to make like a joke and not like make a joke. Cause you know, it, you just gotta read the room. Is. Yep. Yeah. There's something else I want to add to that too. Like sometimes you kind of need to, and this goes along with being cool, but you need to, like they were saying, read the room. You need to understand the people that you're dealing with. If it if they're the type of people that would rather be, you know, not have you around and they want you to make yourself scarce, make yourself scarce. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Don't, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've been there and um, what, you know, like state champs is recording. And I'm not saying that they're like this at all, but I just had other stuff to do. If you have stuff that you're supposed to be working on and you have edits to be doing, don't be hanging around the room while they're recording if they're busy and doing stuff like you know don't always respect the vibe you know always respect the vibe so if people and are tracking to read it yep yeah because it's it's big you know and if you're if you're asked to do something do it that's like one of the biggest things ever if you're asked to do something and you're supposed to be doing something just stick to the task at hand because they're not asking you to do it for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it needs to get done. And one thing I can say about producers, any that I've ever seen, but no one wants their time wasted mm-hmm. because that is literally the currency to life. Yep. They do not want their time wasted and their time is so valuable to them. So if you can find a way to make it so that they're saving time, you are an asset for life. Yep. Yeah. My whole approach while I'm up at uh, Fremont Panda is that is trying to make myself as valuable as possible to help save on time for him. Mainly that. And then also if their client is there trying to give them, you know, make them feel special while they're there, whether it's remembering their favorite rock star or their coffee order or things like that. That Nick Pelota episode, Piccolo. Pilata episode is a um, it really is a great one to listen to, especially for handling clients, because that's all I'm doing now is just like, all right, this person likes cold brew. This person likes this. And without even having them have to like ask for it, just be like, hey, guys, I brought coffees. And then like everyone's mood perks up and everyone's like having a good vibe. 
Can I give a pro tip on this? Do is it. As soon yeah. as you take the order, freaking use the phone to record it and then write it down later in your damn phone so you oh, have dude, it in your phone already, for all times. It's, it's already in my notes. I, yeah, I keep a little notes like, all right, this person likes this, like that. And yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> like we had we had the I had totally. I worked with the uh, I had my first day of working with a client last week, and I went to go get coffee, and the uh, the client he was like, oh, I'm good, man. I'm like, well, I could stop by a store. Is there anything you want at all? Like anything? He's like, well, there is. If you if you have a chance, if you I do love Rockstar. I was like, sure, I was fuck. I'm gonna go grab that for you, man. Like, just because you don't like coffee doesn't mean you're gonna be left out. Yeah, good. This is um, great. And uh, also another great episode is with Josh Newell. Yeah, um, yeah. when oh, he was yeah. talking about how he went from being an intern on Lincoln Park to becoming their uh, their their engineer for like ten years. And Josh is the man. Yeah, dude. yeah. It was about room. He got their to-go orders right. And that's because he didn't fuck up their to-go orders. That's why yeah. they felt comfortable bumping him up to try to edit some stuff. I was going to say was the, the, the cool thing, too, is Sam isn't one to, like, demand, like, you know, he's not expecting you just to do food orders right. And that's, like, you live or die by that. But I still have that standard of being, like, I want to make it right, though, for whoever's get who I'm grabbing this stuff for because it just— Everyone's day will be good if everything is fine. It's not about being a bitch either. Um, yeah. And I'm saying that for people who think they're above that. It's about providing a service to a client yep. and making them feel like totally at home mm-hmm. and like they're being taken care of. Like if you go to a five-star hotel, um, you're not – you know, if you have turndown service or, the, or whatever, room service or whatever um, – it's not about belittling the people that are there um, who are working there or anything. It's just you're paying for a service. You want to feel good about it. And for a band going to the studio, you want them to feel like rock stars. So you don't want them to have to want for anything. No. And if you remember their drinks, that's uh, what their drink preferences are. It's that much more personalized. And uh, people love that shit. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's and- just about a great experience for everyone. Yep. Oh, here's another tip. And this goes for everyone. If you go to Starbucks with the same cup that you ordered with, the refills are 50 cents. I learned this from Kyle and I never, I never looked back. Dude, I could not believe it when he told me that one day. So if you have a Starbucks cup and this is always going to come in handy, the same one that you ordered with, you go there, as long as it's a coffee, cold brew, whatever, it's 50 cents to get a refill. So, What's up? Like the plastic cup or is like one of their like legit cups? The plastic cups, dude. The regular cups. Oh my. Done. What? Dude. Done. Done. <laughs> All right. Everyone, Am I right? if you learn anything from this podcast, that I didn't is even the know tip. this. 50 cent refills. Dude, Kyle, dude, Kyle knows all the ins and outs of that kind of shit. Like he what he told me the first <laughs> the first time he told me this, he's like, Yeah, dude. He's like, All right. He's like, here's the cup. It was clean and everything. He's like, All right, just bring this back to Starbucks and get a refill. I was like, in the same cup. He's like, Yeah, dude. It's, he's like, it's 50 cents. I was like, it's so 50 good. cents. What are you talking about? And like I went back. They looked at the order on the side, gave them 50 cents, and they redid the order. I was like, holy yeah. shit, life hacks. <laughs> life hacks, dude. dude. And like, is that for any kind of drink? It's for coffees, cold brews, and shaken teas. Cold brews Crazy. all day, bro. And, and you can change them. So if you decide, like, after you had a coffee that you want to get, like, uh, a shaken tea, you can do that. Fuck. For 50 cents? <laughs> for 50 cents, dude. All right. Wow. Cool. That's amazing. Thank it you. Is, Intern dude. hacks with Miami sure. Dolphin.
right. All right. So we've got some questions here from the group that I'm going to ask you guys now. And uh, hopefully your answers are as good as uh, everything we've done up till now. You know, Cross my fingers. No small time answers. So here's one from Runar, which is, we'll start with you, Miami. What's been the most surprising skill you've needed to learn and what has been the hardest? It can be one thing that's both even. Okay. Um, biggest thing, and you've said this a million times, the most important skill that you can possibly learn when you're interning is drum editing. Without a doubt in my mind, that's that's I guess that could be my personal experience. But I feel like with a lot of people I've talked to, the hardest thing that I've had to do is definitely vocal editing, because every person that you deal with wants their vocals tuned a little bit differently. And from you can watch as many tutorials online as you want you're not going to understand the way they want their vocals done until you've watched them do it over and over again. It's so hard to pick up on that. But I've definitely, now that I've sat there and watched Kyle so many times do that and I've listened to it, I'm like, wow, like my vocals sound so tuned. Like the way that I used to tune them, they were so dimed, like I dimed them. And I totally, that totally changed my whole thought on, on vocal editing. Um, if I was going to answer that question. Yeah. Awesome. All right, John, this one's from Charlie Williamson. Since the actual amount of people who are able to get successful jobs in the music industry is very low, do you think that there's a key difference between those who aren't doing well in the industry and those who are? Uh, how? Okay, so this question's like, I'm one of those guys that's like really tuned in when someone asks me something because he, I don't know what he defines success. Because like to me, Miami's successful. The dude pays for his bills with doing audio. Yeah. Um, but if he's talking in terms of like, you know, like a CLA or a Bo Burchell or a Kyle Black, um, their opportunities are out there, man. Like, uh, I think we live in the greatest age of all time. The, like we, social media is such a huge thing that I still think people don't take advantage of, of on a on an audio platform. Like you see it in video all the time, but like there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's so many different ways to put your audio out there and to gain your audience and to like find a way to get in with like a producer if that's what you want to do is like intern with somebody who's a mixer. Like those opportunities are out there for you to make. And a lot of people are successful in this industry because they utilize social media. They know how to network. They know how to get themselves to events where they can network and talk to people. Um, I mean, I'm a living proof of it right now. Like I'm not, my, my term of success is uh, my legacy. Uh, I'm, I remember talking to Miami about this, like I want to be immortalized in the sense that I want to have my name on records that people love and to know that when I pass on, like that, those records will still be there and be made. And if someone looks on the back of a CD and sees that my name's on there, like to me, that means more than all the money, all the fame, all the other shit. And that's how I define success. So the success, anyone can be successful in anything. It's just a matter of like, as Gary Vee says, like, are you good enough? And are you willing to grind for it? Because mm -hmm. the opportunities are out there. You just got to know how to grab them and pounce on it. John's talking nice right yeah. now. <laughs> so you think the big difference is that between the haves and the have nots in this industry is just that the haves are willing to grind it out. You think that's the main difference? Yeah, for sure. Like they've done their work and they're still doing work. Like uh, Daniel's last podcast, like he he's not afraid to work like 36 hour days still because he loves the game still. And I think that's the whole thing. You have to love the process. You really do. 36 I, hour days. <laughs> yeah, listen to that podcast, man. He's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the results are, are there. The, the results evident. speak for themselves. 
Um, that uh, I'm going to bring up something that we were talking about before we started recording. I think that one of the biggest differences between successful and non-successful people is their ability to focus. Every successful person I know can focus like a motherfucker on what on the important things. And if I don't want to hear anybody say that they have ADD or ADHD because I have it and almost every successful person I know has it and uh, they have figured out how to get around it. So you can too. But they focus on the things that will move the ball towards the goal line the most. Um, so, you know, in life you have any number of things you can focus on uh, and any number of things you can choose to prioritize. And I look at things in terms of what's urgent, what's important, what's important and urgent, and what's important and not urgent. Yep. And I try to characterize things in any one of those categories. I try to leave things out of the urgent. Oh, and of course, what's not important, if I didn't say that. I try to have nothing be important and urgent. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it. But I try to always have things be worry about things that are important but not urgent so that they never become urgent um, and focus on those the most because if you focus on those things um, you will stop things from becoming important and urgent and stressing you the fuck out but anyways um, you need to know how to prioritize what's important how to see the future and worry about those things that are going to be important down the road uh, before they become urgent and then you need to be able to focus 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 on accomplishing the outcomes you want and I find that a lot of people who are not successful tend to just like fucking piddle around and they might put in the same number of hours, but they're unfocused hours. Like you hear lots of guys who are like, I've been at it for years and I'm not getting any better. I just don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I work so hard. And then you, Dude, that was me. you, you start to analyze what they're doing and you realize they're not focusing on the right stuff. They think they're working, but they're really just like playing around. Um, like with guitar, for instance, mm -hmm. um, lots of guitar players think that, they practice six hours a day, but in reality, they might practice 30 minutes and then just fuck around for five hours and a half. So like when John Petrucci says that he practiced six hours a day, he meant practice six hours a day where everything was regimented into 15 or 30 minute segments. And it was a specific goal and task at hand and something that needed to be completed. Um, if In those same six hours, if you were just sitting there jamming or whatever, playing riffs, you might not get that much better. And so someone who spent two years with six hours a day of hard focus versus someone who spent two years with six hours a day of piddling, you're going to come out with massively different results. So also like everybody, like I think Miami said earlier, the most important thing is time and successful people value time as their most valuable currency. And one thing that I've noticed is successful people have learned how to be as efficient as possible with their time so that um, they can get in and get out and be done with it, but still move the ball forward. Preach. Okay. <laughs> All right, done preaching. <laughs> this one's for Tyler from Dave Cedar. Why did you decide to go the internship route versus going off on your own and starting your own studio? 
For me, personally, Porsche Lambo. <laughs> yeah, the perks <laughs> of the Lambo. No, actually, for real though, I um, so I'm still living at home. I still go to school, and I still have a day job. And honestly, I do not have the place right now to really try to have all the equipment I would want to have bands be able to even come in to do such a thing to record here. And for me, the ability to go somewhere work underneath somebody who has such a high standard and has all this experience and all this knowledge and who's willing to impart that upon you and also be able to mess with, you know, gear or, or equipment that um, you would just never have the access to. You know, I, I would not be, I write like the craziest thing was that first day he showed me the whole setup for Panda, how all the rooms are connected, all the ties and all the gear and all the patch bays. And I had been coming from just using a two channel interface. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> like I had gone from zero to a hundred. And, but because of that, I've learned a lot more about signal flow. And I've learned a lot more about, you know, IO. And so things like that, those are such heavy benefits in my eye that I see that as such a huge bonus than me just trying to trudge, you know, trudge along without having access or the ability to work with clients even, or work with such high quality of a material. That's the other thing why I love Neil the Mix and URM was because it gave me an idea of what standard was, what is the standard. And then the ability to go work at someone's studio, it's like, oh, this is the standard. This is what it needs to be bare minimum. Um, so that is my person personally for me, one of the reasons why I decided to go that route. And I have uh, no regrets about that at all. Great. Great answer. Thank you. Um, and this is kind of a question for all three of you guys. Um so it's from Ian Babbitt, and he's got three questions. Oh, shit. But uh, I kind of want to hear from all of you guys. So I'll start with the first one. Is a college degree a boon, or does it even really matter? Okay, I'll answer this one. Actually, John should answer it, but I want to say something about it. <laughs> um, basically, I would never not go into school, okay? Um, even what we're doing now... Uh, Nail the mix, URM. It is a form. It is online education. You know, you're technically going to school just by being here. So you know, I would never knock you for doing that. But I will say, for example, I have a friend of mine. Um, he's going to school for audio, and he just took a class on patch base, and I was at the studio. And within one hour, I had completely understood everything about a patch bay, like from how it gets wired to the run. Like I, it, it all just clicked and made sense. It's like, but he's going to school and taking a really long time to to learn something like that. So I think and spending how that much money? You're talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it's not that. W would I rather go to school? and get a degree or would I rather be an intern? I would have to say I'd rather intern because I'm learning things way faster. And as I said before, time is money. Time is life. You know, it's, it's literally the currency to life. So it's not that it's unnecessary to have an audio degree because that might work in certain fields. But I think that in the mixing fields, I would be leaning a little bit more towards interning if I had to say. Yeah, I like so I have a weird opinion on 
audio school because I've done it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have, I, I got the Pro Tools audio and post degree certificates. I got a wave certificate. I have, uh, I also have like a bachelor's degree. So I've like, I've done education. Um, What's your it, bachelor's degree in? Uh, business admin. So okay. uh, this is kind of my takeaway from, uh, like I've, I have, if you guys ever want to talk about more about internships and stuff, like I have a bunch of stories for you guys, cause this is not my first internship, but when it comes to education, it's a, for me, I'm a very like, what's the goal and how do I get to the goal? So if you, I feel like a music degree can help if you do it for the right reasons. If you're going to like a full sale or a musician's institute and you want to learn to mix, that's not the place to do it. Like I'm just, like it's a cool place to use the gear, but mixing, like there's just too many like URMs here now. Like if you want to learn to mix, you subscribe to Nail the Mix and that's how you learn how to mix. Now, if you want to learn how to like like understand melodies and composition, um, there's a fast track for it, but actually going to like a really good music school and like learning from a teacher that can analyze that has years of like producing credits under them too. Like, I feel like that is a benefit for a lot of uh, people. And I do think like, if that's the route you want to go, like composition, becoming like a film score maker, you can do it on your own. But learning how music works, I will never talk down on anyone who wants to learn theory because I feel like theory is really important. And a lot of guys can get by without knowing it. But if you do know it, it's just another tool in your tool chest. Um, I personally have never been in a situation where someone's like, oh, you don't have a Pro Tools certificate? I don't know if you're the right guy for this. Um, it just If that's what you want because you want it on your resume, then go for it. Like, Don't listen to me. If that's what you want, do it. Like, Fuck what everyone else thinks on the forums. Like. Like when uh, I hate when people ask that question on forums because I'm like, well, what is your goal? And if they don't know their goal, then I'm like, don't spend thirty thousand dollars on something you don't even know if yep. it's what you definitely like. That's what you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just think you need to really know what your goal is, and if that goal uh, makes sense for getting that degree and spending that money and time. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I would, I would totally agree with all those sentiments, especially I know thinking about myself, it's like, well, going to school for music, you know, if it's theory, it's one thing, but like learning the mix, we have URM, we have nail the mix now. There's no reason to spend thousands of dollars to learn that. But for instance, say that there's nowhere close nearby where you can intern at a studio, you want to learn how to track and record and produce, well, track and record engineer, and there's no studio for you to really intern at, but there's a school that can do that. That is a good option to learn, get hands on with the gear. And then while you're there, just spend hours utilizing it to every advantage. Now, use just that I, lab time. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Al who's described it before as like use the time there and also use that time to network with people too. I mean, Gary Vee preaches this a lot. If you're going to go to school, hey, shake hands and learn to be friends with everybody because you never know where down the line you might need that hookup or that help or anything. Just you got to use it to its fullest advantage. And, uh, I'll just go ahead and answer number two, which is, does anyone really pay attention to your marks in school when applying for an internship? And I'll say generally not. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to intern for like Kyle Black, I don't think that he's going to ask you what grades you got in school. What's your GPA? However, Yeah, Miami, what's your yeah, GPA? Right? What is it? Yeah, who, who gives a shit? However, if you want to work for a company like Universal mm-hmm. or something and work in their studios on film stuff, then you may have, then you may need a degree. Yeah. It's, but these things change a lot from what I understand. Sometimes you need them, sometimes you don't. At the end of the day, really, if you're badass, (laughs) you can get the gigs. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, question number three, and we'll start with Tyler, but I want to hear this from everybody. How do I handle an internship without starving to death? 
<laughs> How do you handle without starving to death? I don't know, man. Budget. Budget your money. Find out what you need to live on and uh, just save and utilize that. You know, be efficient with your money. Um, you don't need to go out and buy, you know, Starbucks every day for yourself. Uh, if you don't have the funds for it, just, you know, start buying the essentials at home and learn how to get by on that. That would be my big, uh, biggest advice. Learn know, to rice and be- yeah. Rice and beans are just practically Don't be free. fancy about it, you know. Don't go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Just go to the Smart and Final or wherever's the, the place where you can get the most free bang for your buck and just be creative and learn to love the taste of the same ingredients over and over again for a while. Learn to season. Yeah, I mean— to get like a pound of rice, what is it like a dollar? It's or two? not very much. You just have to. Yeah. You have to be okay with it, and you need to. You need to know how much do I need to get by and live by. Get that number, and then just budget and be disciplined and be strict on it. And that's how you survive. That's how. That's how everyone does it. And you get fifty cent Starbucks coffees. And you get fifty cent Starbucks coffee coffees with that life Yay. hack, dude. Life changer. What about you, John? How do you? You have a job, right? Yeah, I have a full-time job, but I mean, I still have to budget shit. Uh, There's a... So, okay, I'm so goal-oriented. I'm like, what's the goal? Like, what what are you okay (laughs) eating? You know what I mean? Like, um, if a month's going to be tight, okay, are you good with eating a couple of noodles for a couple of, like, days? Like, it's not a forever thing. And it it really comes down to, like, I'm a lot of people don't know this, but I'm, like, a huge couponer. Like, I know how to coupon like a motherfucker, and I know how to buy shit on sale when it, and I'll buy a bulk of it. And I might eat ramen for like a week, but I have a shit ton of shampoo and other stuff that's going to last me seven months down mm-hmm. the road. And like, that's like, you just have to know, like, what do you need? What are the essentials? Are you willing to sacrifice um, not going to have a burger with Miami and yeah. just like, you know, like basically eating some quinoa, black beans and roasted tomatoes for a couple nights in a row, which by the way is healthy for you and really I was about cheap. to say, that doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. It's um, really not. But, uh, another cool <laughs> life hack is... Uh, bananas actually like keep you full longer just like oatmeal does and they have the same like sugar uh, like it gives the same your brain the same uh, chemical reaction that a cookie will so if you're like craving a sweet instead of buying that two dollar pack of chips ahoy just buy like a dollar's worth of bananas and just eat the banana give yourself 10-15 minutes for your body to like realize what's happened and like that craving will go away it's really gnarly thank you but yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I kind of feel like this, how do you deal with an internship without starving to death? It's kind of just like, how do you learn Pro Tools in two weeks? Or how do you actually do this stuff at a high level? It's like, well, do you really want it that bad? Yeah. And you'll figure it out. Because if you really want to eat cheap, you can eat cheaper than fast food and healthier than fast mm-hmm. food if you really try. Mm-hmm. Fucking apples are not expensive. Uh Eggs, hard-boiled eggs, cheap. Rice, beans. Like you can get so much of that stuff for so little. Mm-hmm. It's really not an excuse. And hey, you guys still work jobs too. Yeah, so, I was gonna say maybe you have to get like a small side job just to get that that extra funds. And like you gotta do what you gotta do. Miami, you want to chime in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the way I would answer this question, I mean, well, I work. You know, like I told you guys. I basically have been doing commercial licensing since uh, it's been, it's been a while. It's, it's been a while I've been doing that. But besides that, make sure that you're getting things in bulk if possible. So if you can, instead of getting a pound a bag of rice, dude, get a ten pound Costco. bag of rice. It's like ten. It's like yeah, ten. It's like ten dollars. 
And um, you go and do the same thing for quinoa. You do the same thing for rice. And to make sure that you're getting your nutrients right, um, you can go grab like the big cases or the big jugs of like boosted, which have they're like six bucks, but they're giving you more than a week's worth of your vitamins as long as you follow the servings. And that's like six dollars. So for six, so like twenty five bucks. You have your vitamins that you need for the month. And then you're looking at your other stuff, rice, quinoa. And we didn't even talk about the biggest one, pasta. Pasta's cheap as dirt. Um, you get yourself, you know, like a bunch of boxes of pasta, rice, quinoa, beans, tomatoes, that type of thing. And then the way that you rotate it so you don't get sick of the food you eat is you add sauces to it. Like you don't have to, they don't have to be unhealthy sauces, but you can, you know, Add sauces to it, maybe add a little bit of curry to this or or whatever you want to add for flavoring or whatever. But that's basically how you do it. I mean, you could easily feed yourself for a month and be happy for $100, like less than that, like way less if you really wanted to, if you had to. And if you can't come up with $100, um, maybe you're not resourceful enough to work in a studio under somebody anyways. <laughs> Go Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. And there's Uber and Lyft too, man. Like, it just, you know, you nailed it, Al. Like, what, is it that important to you? Because if it is, you won't even think about it. It just becomes second nature. Like, okay, what makes practical sense? Because I've got to have gas money to get to the studio and to work. And, you know, what makes sense? Okay, another thing from Costco. Um <laughs> They have like these fig bars. Mm. They come in a pack of like 76 or something like that. Uh, they're like 200 calories per pack. And I think it comes with 36 separate packs. And it's like eight bucks or something like that. So you got a snack every day for $8. Dude, and or yeah. The rotisserie chicken um, too. Oh, uh, guys, just yeah, keep yeah. please you talking know? about Costco. Please just keep doing it. <laughs> dude, Costco, Costco holds it down, dude. They hold it down. Dollar <laughs> um, 50. You know. Yeah, make so, sure. Oh, what's up? No, I was just gonna say. So no one can ever complain about not being able to afford food again. Yeah, yeah. If you need help, you can message us, and we'll like we'll, <laughs> we'll <help>. tell you. <laughs> we'll help figure it out for you. But just don't like take our advice and then do your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take your advice and then order pizza every night. Yeah. yeah. Option C, guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one from uh, Brad Sanders. We'll start with you, Miami. What has been the most significant changes you've seen in yourself since starting your internship? Oh, wow. Since starting the internship, a lot of things that I I had to come to a realization about a lot of things because there were times even I talked to you in the mixing field and I was always trying to understand, like, you know, like, why don't things sound the way that I want them to or whatever in being in the mix, being in that environment. Like you, well, you told me ahead of time, you were like, dude, like you're not really aiming for the right thing. Like it sounds, it's sounding good, but that's not what you're aiming for. You're not doing this right. You're not doing that. I'm like, you know, I'm option C guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but at the end of the day, a lot of that had to do with me just not understanding and being in that environment. I guess from being in the studio and interning, I've learned really how all that stuff goes and it's really changed my mood it's changed me as a person because now it's like wow all the stuff that i've searched for for so long it all makes so much sense to me now i don't know if i like went too far off in that question but um no yeah it's a good answer what yeah about? i guess i i guess that's basically like what it was like what it 
me as a person. I feel like I'm a different person after being at the studio because I'm happier with how my products are coming out for people that I work for. It makes me feel like a better person at the end of the day. Like I've learned uh, like an astronomical amount. Feels good to play at a higher level, doesn't it? Yeah. Like in another thing, this is, this is veering off more and, you know, I tend to do that sometimes, but there is nothing like hearing tracks recorded properly in a really good studio like I was one of those people that was always trying to find like the answer like it's got to be like hidden in some VST (laughs) or it's got to be like you know going down the rabbit hole dude I've been there so many times for guitar tones like all this stuff and really what I realized is that stuff just sounds like that like when I used to listen to the the state champs um, and, and I was doing this the other day too, but I was listening to like the tone that Kyle had gotten from state champs. And I'm like, dude, like how is, th- how does it sound like that? Like, how does it sound so full and low end and crunching? And like, I hooked up the same amp. I used the same microphones. I arranged them in the exact same order, plugged in the same guitar, same strings, same pick. And it sounded nothing like it. <laughs> I love that. So, like, that just kills me. Like, and it just, it really went to show that sometimes you're really just tone chasing things and you really got to understand, like, the fundamentals of a good recording is just having the ear for it, which I don't have, like, I and I don't think I will for a long time the way that Kyle does. It's like having the ear for it and then having the facility to be able to do such a thing. Just insane. Crazy. But isn't it great to understand um, to like, I think a lot of people think that they're a lot better than they are. And that's a huge problem because they won't get better if they think that about themselves. Isn't it great to know that you're getting better and also be able to see how far you have yet to go? Yeah, because I totally, for me, like I always thought like back home, I was a big fish in a small pond. Um, every, like things that I did, everyone's like, oh dude, this always sounded great, blah, blah, blah. And like when I, was showing Kyle my stuff. Like, I came to a rude awakening, like a completely rude awakening. I was listening to my stuff in that room and I was just like, yo, how did I get this so wrong? Like, just your listening environment. And I, the funny thing is, like, I mix primarily in headphones. I have speakers set up. It's just because of the way that my living situation is, you know, I, I tend to use headphones, but even that so i can't really say it was my environment or whatever but just listening on really nice speakers in a really well treated room it's it's crazy just listening back to your stuff and you can hear so much that you did wrong like nail the mix gives you all the tools to recognize these things if you can't hear them you cannot fix it yeah very very true and what about you john Dude, this is like, it's so much like, I like kudos to Miami for kind of condensing it. Cause I, I was thinking right now, I was like, everything for me has like changed. Like, I feel like a better person. I feel way more competent. Um, I feel like I can handle, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like this natural feeling where you're just like, it's the right situation. I'm learning the right thing. And I know what I need to do as a, as an engineer and an aspiring mixer to like get myself there. And like every move that I make now makes me better for that course of life that I want to go down. So it's just like the ability to just soak everything in like a sponge and not, I think that's the biggest takeaway uh, with just being around Bo is like Bo's very like go with the flow, but like 
still have that standard and fucking deliver every fucking time. And like, to me, that's the thing is like, don't just go with everything and be cool, but fucking deliver on everything you need to deliver on. Great. Um, well, thanks guys. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, anybody listening, if you're in the group in our private producers club, you can ask Miami, uh, John or Tyler, questions that's what the admins and moderators are here for yeah please but, do uh, like we be out here anytime anytime yeah and especially those of you who are not sure i know that i know that like how you're going to actually make an internship happen um is scary to some of you when you have a real life to balance it on balance it with but uh you know miami's a father so people make it work if they want it and uh you know you can ask in the group about how to make it work with more specific things like I've got kids and what whatnot because uh, these dudes have made it happen. So, anyways, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, yeah, see you guys at the summit in a month. Oh yeah, there, man. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. To get in touch with the URM podcast, visit urm.com slash podcast and subscribe today.